I, I posted it on the Facebook page. I didn't shoot it out on the band because I'm still learning the tech. But our series that God has been, I don't know a nice way to phrase this because it, it hasn't been comfortable. It hasn't been fun. But God has been kind of ringing my bell, I guess, with learning to pray. And I know that sounds awkward because you're, you're a pastor and you don't know how to pray. Which some of you would say, I know how to pray too well because prayer time takes a while sometimes. <laughs> And and the the more I looked at it, the more I thought, God, as as I read through Your Word and I watch how people cried out to You, and how people prayed, the the less I know about prayer, and and I I took a a deep slice of humble pie, and and I said, God, teach me to pray. Teach me as if I don't know anything there is about talking to you. And, and God began to open his word to me. And just like looking at the 23rd Psalm and making it a prayer, God has, has began to reveal that all throughout his word, if you don't know what to say to God, there's a chance somebody else has already said it. And, and I'll tell you, a lot of this I stole from an author and a pastor, and, and his book is called Dangerous Prayers, and, and these prayers are very dangerous. Don't, don't pray them if you, if you want to live a, a comfortable, easy Christian life. Don't pray these prayers. Don't, don't ask God for hard things if you don't want God to light you up with hard things. And, and today's prayer is very dangerous. And it's a very simple prayer. Search me. When you look at God and you begin to ask God to search you, you're not always going to be happy with what you find. And, and this is a, a psalm of David. And I want you to understand that a lot of the psalms of David were not just songs. We're always told they're songs. Well, guess what? These were songs that were prayers. And if you ever spend time studying the Jewish culture, this is still a thing. They sing a lot of their prayers. And I'm not saying I want everyone to try and sing this because I don't know what the melody would be. But... Uh, and and let's be fair, sometimes uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord borders right on the, the boundary with a coyote caught in a trash compactor. And, and we don't want to take away from what God's trying to speak this morning. And, and just hear the words of David when he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. My, my first challenge to you is that you mark that spot in your Bible, on your phone, and you go to it every day this week with a heart of genuineness before God 
and, and be real and be raw with God this week and pray that prayer because it will change you in a way I can't describe. Look at the first phrase of it. Search me and know my heart. This is where a lot of people struggle because, well, God already saved me. God already saved me. He changed my heart. God saved you and set you free from your sins. And yes, He took that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. But let me tell you the biblical truth about your heart is that your heart, if you are led by your heart, will lead you astray over and over again. But pastor, I got a good heart. Or he's got a good heart. Or she's got a good heart. I have heard that till I'm blue in the face. And it doesn't line up with the Word of God. The Word of God says clearly in Jeremiah, who we talked about at length in Sunday school, the weeping prophet, the prophet who God let see people through his own eyes. Jeremiah understood this and he said, the heart is deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure. Who can understand it? The King James says it's desperately wicked. Anybody ever look at yourself and say, you know, I'm, I'm desperately wicked. Man, that almost fits a Halloween weekend message right there. But if you stop and just take a breath and think about it, what are you going to default to? Are you going to default to righteousness and holiness? Or are you going to default to wickedness? And, and people are like, oh, well, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where your default is. Your default's going to go to the wicked side of things. If you're put in a tight spot and a quick white lie will get you out of it, what do you choose most of the time? Do you choose to tell the hard truth or do you choose to lie? I'm your pastor and I'll tell you, I'm a coward. A lot of times I'll choose to lie because my heart is desperately wicked. My heart will talk me into things I know aren't good for me. Oh, it's, it's just another Oreo. I, I know I pick on Oreos. It's just another Dr. Pepper. I mean, there's harder and more evil things out there. There's people that will justify things because the heart is desperately wicked. And it'll convince you that, well, just a little bit's okay. I want you to understand that there's parts of your heart that even people who have been saved and walking in the truth of God for a long time may not have dealt with. Because David again says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. Uh, the King James says, My inmost being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Now, to go back into that in the Hebrew is the Tuha Satam which I hope I pronounce that right. If not, some of my friends will butcher me online. It'll be okay. But that's the inward locked up place. The secret places of my heart that I hold on to so dearly that I block people out because if I let you in there, you would know me for who I really am and you wouldn't like me. The trauma in my life has caused me to lock those doors up to where nobody gets in there because I'm always going to keep that part of myself guarded. Because if I guard it, 
and I keep it safe, then no one really knows how messed up I am. How I look great on the outside like the Pharisees of the New Testament. Like, and Jesus called them what they were. You're beautiful coffins on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. And you lock that secret away and it's slowly but surely killing part of who God created you to be. But God wants to search you and reveal that to you and open it up in a way that, A, you can walk in complete freedom, but B, if you're broken in a place so deep inside, you can lean on Him to heal and restore, and you grow closer to Him. And He does this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us in John 16, 13, that when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you things that are to come. The Holy Spirit will speak directly from God into your heart and into those places where you've tried to lock even Him out of. I love the painting that we have of Jesus standing at the door and knocking where there's no knob on the door. Jesus is not going to go kick in the doors in the, the hidden parts of your heart that you've tried to shield him off from. He's going to gently stand there and knock until you let him in. And when you pray that prayer that says, search me, it's like kicking on the porch light. That's a big deal tomorrow night on Halloween, kids. If there's no porch light, don't go to the house. Okay? Now, taking all my 90s kids' friends back for a minute, if there's a white van rolling around, don't get the free candy from the white van. All the 90s kids are laughing because that was the threat back then, that, you know, there were a bunch of colts roaming around with white vans just kidnap children. Never once saw a police report on it, ever. Okay? The warning about praying, search me. This will force you to face all the shortcomings in your life and in your walk with Christ. That's not a comfortable place to be. But I'll give you a little news flash. Jesus never called you to a life of comfort. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You're called to go face adversity, to face trouble. But you can't do it if you want to sit back and be comfortable. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. Know my anxious heart. Ooh. Ooh. How do you define that? How about the stuff that scares you? It keeps you up at night. It distracts you from being able to focus on Jesus. Whatever that stuff is, that's where you are weakest in your trusting ability of God. The stuff that you allow to scare you the most is the place you trust Him the least. Ouch, my toes hurt. Okay, if your toes hurt, we're in good company because that hurts. 
What I'm afraid of shows where I trust God the least. It might be in your finances. It might be in your health or the health of a loved one. It might be in the, the safety and security of your family. It might be in politics. It might be in the weather. Anybody slightly afraid it'll never rain again? I mean, that's a legit fear. Okay, and I'm not stepping into the, the realm of phobias, uh, but, you know, if you hold it up to that standard, if you have a phobia, you know, uh, arachnophobia, I'm afraid of spiders. Well, are you really afraid that God's not bigger than a spider? You, you apply that to it and suddenly it sounds really foolish. I mean, anatidophobia, you're afraid that somewhere there's a duck watching you. That's a real phobia. I'm not saying it's mine, okay? <laughs> Let's clear that up. But, <laughs> ah! okay, no. But the, any fear that you have, I, I want you to understand that you can take that fear and, and a lot of times when we see fear in our own life or, or sometimes we label it really religiously and call it lack of faith, you can take that and you can spin it on its head by surrendering it to Jesus and saying, God, you know my anxious thoughts about. And, and I, I, I'll pick on myself. I, I went through a, a period of time where I was horrified that something would happen to Denise. How am I going to raise these five kids if something happens to her? And, and I walked in fear a lot of times where I didn't let her drive anywhere. And, and it's not because I'm horribly afraid of her driving. I just, there, there's a lot of other people on the road that are not good drivers. And I was scared to death for a long time that something would happen to her. Because how am I going to take care of twin babies? Was the thought that rang through my head over and over and over. Now, She's the same way at times where if I'm not home when I say I'm going to be home, he's dead in a ditch somewhere. That, that's just where her mind goes. He's dead in a ditch. And every 15 minutes, that will amp up even more. Maybe I should call Highway Patrol and see if there's been a wreck. You know, it's a real thing. And I'm not saying it's easy to hand that over to God and say, I trust you. But it's something we have to learn to do. What we fear matters. And knowing and acknowledging those fears allows us to surrender them to God. And His power is made perfect, not just in our weakness, but in the admission of our weakness. If you pay attention to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I, I'm not afraid to talk about my weaknesses. I'm not afraid to talk about my fears, my shortcomings, because in the middle of those is where God's power is manifested in perfection. As God reveals your fears, He will build your faith 
through His presence and His Spirit guiding you. I'm going to say that again. As God reveals your fears, when you say, search me, God, and know my anxious heart, and God says, okay, well, here's what you're struggling with. Here's what you're afraid of. And you're afraid of it because the reality is you simply don't trust me to take care of that. But I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to surround you with my presence and I'm going to continue to show you over and over that I am faithful. The next thing that we pray, and I won't read the whole scripture again for the sake of time, see if there is any offensive way in me. Anybody like being told you're wrong? Anybody like being told you have a bad habit in your life? Anybody like that? Me neither. But it takes real courage, and I put guts because I like that phrase, it takes guts, to ask God if there's something in your life that's offending Him. God, is the way I'm treating certain people offending you? God, is, is the way I'm discussing things offending you? Is the way I'm using my time offending you? Is the way that I act in my own home offending you? The way I'm not acting in church offending you? The way I'm not doing something offensive? I'll give you a quick and easy one that if you ask God to reveal this to you, chances are He's going to put people in your life to speak to you. And if two or more people in your life point out something to you, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's something to it. My wife, my beautiful bride, has nagged me about how much time I spend on my cell phone. Yeah. Some other people are there with me. Just shake your heads. It hits home when you miss something great your child does because you're on your phone. The Spirit of God revealed it to me too. I'm not saying I'm great at putting down my phone yet. But there's something in me that offends him. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool seems right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Man, it's just a cell phone. I'll tell you, we, we're human and we're really good at justifying things. And if you have to justify your behavior, you might need to take a second look. Because you're, you're not alone. David, David knew a thing or two about justifying. We'll talk about him here in a second. But transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit, and he has ceased to act wisely and do good. This was written by the guy who was the master of it. And people are sitting there scratching their heads like, wait, wait, this is the same David you say is a man after God's own heart. And he absolutely is. That's who God declared him to be. 
but he is also a man who had a heart of flesh that's desperately wicked and will justify bad, sinful, uh, offensive behavior to God. He knew all about it. Imagine David going out on the roof of his house, the roof of the palace. He's not supposed to be there because that was the time in which kings went to war. But he justified, I have fought enough. I'm going to rest this season of battle. Justification. He goes out on the roof. He sees Bathsheba bathing. Does he turn around and go back in? Now, I've, I've earned this rest and I've earned the right to enjoy looking at something beautiful. And then how dare some man leave that poor woman alone? She needs to have company. And I've earned the right to have some company, so I'm going to summon her to me. And you can see him walk down the path of justification that ultimately ended in adultery and the murdering of a good friend of his. Uriah the Hittite is listed amongst the 37 mighty men that David had. The 37 of his closest friends and warriors, brothers at arms, and he had the man murdered. The justification of those little things lead to big things. If you have to justify it, it's worth a second look. But the thing that made David a man after God's own heart was when he realized it, he knew to repent and to take ownership of his sin. When God reveals what's offensive to Him in your life, if you'll own it and repent... He'll help you to beat it. And that leads us to the last point of the prayer. Lead me. A lot of people want God to change them. But they don't really want God to lead them. Because God might take them on a path that they didn't choose. It all ties it together and it's the most heartfelt part of the prayer to me is lead me. God, if you don't lead me, I'm lost. If you adopt that mindset, your view of God's going to change in a hurry. You're going to say, God, I don't want to take the very next step if you're not leading me. It moves you from enduring the trials of this life to embracing them as an opportunity to lean into the provision of God to meet your deepest needs. A lot of times we look at life and we look at the trials of life as something I have to endure. Endure is a passive way of looking at it. You know, I, I didn't get that the word from the doctor I wanted. I, I'm going to endure these treatments. What happens to if you go from endure to I'm going to embrace these treatments as an opportunity for me to know that God is my healer and I'm going to step into the fullness of His authority over this disease. Well, well we, we just have to endure these hard economic times. That's garbage. Embrace it. Yeah, the economy's trash. But it doesn't mean I can't love my neighbor. And if I see a need for my neighbor, trust that God, who owns the cattle on a thousand hilltops, is going to continue to provide and to bless me. And I'm going to go meet their need. I'm going to be His hands and His feet because He leads me.
We go back to the 23rd Psalm. He leads me beside the still water. You want to get to the green pastures and the still water, you got to be led. And when we embrace it, God says, I'm right there with you and I'm going to meet your deepest need. I'm going to calm your deepest fear. I'm going to walk you through that shadow. Because the darkest moments of this life are just a shadow. Search my heart. God, show me what I really am. Know my anxious thoughts. Show me where I need you more. See if there is any offensive way in me. Show me what's keeping me from knowing you more. Lead me. Make those life-altering changes in me, in my routine, in my reactions, in my actions. We're going to end this just a little different than we normally do. We're going to read this passage of Scripture out loud together. And, and I want you to make this your prayer. This will be the first time you pray this this week. And make it a goal to pray this every day. And spend some quiet time alone with God. And just see what happens. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.